plan as it stands at the moment is half an hour or so to look at uh, these passages to do this study and if we have another quarter of an hour in which our, our, our aim will be to pray. So that's the idea. Can you remember the um, headings from this morning? Okay, you're excused. <laughs> headings were, the clue was the word big. Can you put Big Saviours was one of it, yes. Big History was the first part, yes, Big History. Big Project, yes, God is... Uh, the Big History was that Isaiah, although it's located in a particular piece of history, it looks all the way back to God creating everything and Abraham, whom God first chose and worked with and all of the, the family that came from him, and it actually goes all the way forward to the time when death will be defeated. So it's big history. And the same thing was big project. And we, we can anybody think of what was involved in the project? Bringing people of different nations. Yeah, that's, that's good. And anything else as well as the different nations? Uh, it certainly is to do with with liberating Jerusalem from all her enemies. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, rebuilding the cosmos is 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 the ultimate aim of it. Yes, I think when I did the project bit, it was it was Isaiah two that the mountain of the Lord will be raised up. So it was this business of the prominence of God's kingdom, the fact He's going to build a city. Who's interested in building a community? The fact that it's the place where the Lord is, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be exalted. So there's something about the fellowship of God with his people and the internationalism of it and the fact that this actually affects the whole cosmos. That's the, that's the project that God is doing. This was what uh, Christopher said, big saviors. Anybody remember the saviors that we come across in the book of Isaiah the branch yes the branch the suffering servant yes and the other one but following Mr. Matir was the anointed king the, the conquering king so we have a, a number of different angles on what's actually the same person so who is the suffering servant, the child who will be king, and the anointed conqueror? It's Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And it gives us a very big picture of who Jesus is. And the fourth thing was big God. Yes, big God. There was a, a book published with the title, Your God is Too Small. I don't know about you, but I think this is my experience that, that uh, left to oneself, one's view of God contracts, and we need the Word of God to remind us again of how big God is. You know, the whole of life tends to contract left to ourselves, doesn't it? But uh, 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 big God. So that's what we, we looked at this morning. I'm glad you could remember that. Um, you were in Sunday school, that's understood. Uh, so... Let's just look again at the geography. So, uh, Johannes said to me, 
He didn't understand that map because I hadn't put in which was the sea and which was the land, which is true. I think once you got it, you were okay, but if you didn't get it, then you would be stuck. That's the Mediterranean. That isn't the Mediterranean. And what's that one? That's not the Mediterranean either. That's the Mediterranean. That's Cyprus. So we're over here somewhere. This is Jerusalem. That's Egypt. And these two rivers are the Tigris and the Euphrates. And the geography said that it's to do with Jerusalem. That's the center of God's purposes. But in relation to Egypt, which was the ancient captor of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt, weren't they? And at the time of Isaiah's writing, we have Assyria, capital Nineveh. Nineveh is somewhere over there. I think it's probably in that area, actually. And Assyria is a great big power which spreads right up to the borders of Jerusalem and actually manages to destroy the northern, the northern kingdom. And then in view is the next big superpower, which is Babylon, which is based in Babylon, further south, somewhere around there, I think. And it's, they do actually defeat and bring into captivity, uh, defeat Jerusalem, knock down the temple, and take everybody captive. That's the uh, geography of it. And here I've got a rather baffling picture of the history. Now then, you have to look carefully at that. So let me, you don't need to know all of it. I don't think, I think we'd be very confused if we try and do all of it. But Israel had split into two kingdoms at this time, following King Solomon and the golden age of the kingdom. It split into two, the north and the south. The north is called Israel, the south is called Judah. And we have two royal lines which go down through history here. This royal line ends in the Assyrian captivity this royal line ends in the Babylonian captivity. Uh, so let's not bother with those kings because we're concentrating on Judah. And it was in the time of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So let's find them on here. Uh, Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. They're the kings in whose reign Isaiah prophesied. And the, the maker of this chart, which wasn't me, I got it off the internet, uh, puts Isaiah's ministry there, which he makes that 40 years. I'm sure the book that I read made it more than that, but I suppose it depends when the exact start and finish are, because we're not, I don't think we're quite told that. Is that? Yes, and there's an overlapping reign here. But that's the sort of time that Isaiah was prophesying, spanning those kings. Uh, interestingly, this is color-coded by virtue. Do you see this? The green is righteous and the, the, the red is evil. That's rather an interesting way to do a, a map. Uh, but you see the, Manasseh's reign was an evil reign, and in the end they came to the Babylonian captivity. Did I... Did I... Yeah, I think I did a, a zoom in on it there. 
So that was just to try and clarify the history and geography. I won't keep on doing that every time, but I think it's good to try and have that in our minds. What I thought we would look at, click, um, is this. So f uh, I've got several things going on there. First thing is it would be nice if we all read the book of Isaiah. Would you like to read the book of Isaiah? I think it would be really helpful. We don't have, even if we did in church one chapter each week, it would be more than a year. So I think we've got to all work together on this and do some homework. Uh, if you, there are 66 chapters. If you read three per day, just tell me, I think this, my maths is about right, isn't it? If, you, if we read three chapters a day, we could read the whole in th thing in three weeks. Is that right? 21 days? Yeah. Uh, would you like to do that? Or would you like to do it more slowly? It'd be nice if in, in three weeks' time we could all say, we have actually have all read it through. So I'm not saying we've read it through in great detail and understood every bit of it, so, but we have read it all through. Uh, um, would, we, would we like to, to do that? Christopher would. Yes, okay. Why don't we, why don't we say together, we'll do that. We'll, we'll read it through. Next thing on there, Isaiah is directly quoted, I think it's 66 times in the New Testament. So I'm, doing, I'm looking at this cheese again and thinking, what, what does the New Testament make of this, this big cheese of Isaiah's book? Uh, so the 66 quotes, I thought we would spend the next um, 20 minutes or so looking at some of them and asking who does the quoting and what does Isaiah say in the bit that's quoted and what does the quoter say, the person doing the quoting, say that this is to do with when he quotes it. And then uh, a final question, what if anything, do we learn from that, or what do we take away from it? So I think that's a modern expression. What's the takeaway from this? What do we, what's, what's the, how does that impact us? So that's what I thought we could spend the time doing. Not all 66 references, but just the ones from Mark's Gospel, with the thought that, that, that Mark's Gospel might be reasonably familiar to most of us. So what I've got here, and I hope I've done it accurately, is Mark chapter 1 verse 2 quotes Isaiah 40 verse 3. Mark 4 verse 12 quotes Isaiah 6 verse 9. Mark 7 verse 6 quotes Isaiah 20, 29 13, and so on. Okay, get the, the thought of that. And, and what I suggest, I, I said it would be a discussion, so what, what I really meant was it would be a, a group activity with some discussion. Could we divide up into group four and work through those and be ready in sort of 15 or 20 minutes to share with everybody what we have learned? And my thought was that if you're a group over here, let's call you group A. There might be one or two groups of group A. If you start with those, start there, 
and work down, at least you'll have looked at those. If you're in the middle, if you're a group in the middle, let's say that you do B, so you start there and work on. You might do all of them or you might just get one or two. And if you're a group over there, you can be do it, you start with C, which is here. So if we did it that way, we will all have looked at all of those, although we might not each have looked at each individual one, if you see what I mean. Shall we do that? Uh, so groups of four, looking at those, the questions are, who is doing the quoting? What, does I, what was Isaiah saying? What does the quota saying? What do we learn from it? Okay, shall we do that? Go on, there you are. Tell, it, tell us one thing that you, you, you learned. Which, which bit did you do and what did okay, you do? Okay, so we did uh, Mark eleven seventeen, where it talks about my house. It, it's, the, it's, it's, it's where Jesus goes into the temple and turns over the tables and quotes Isaiah where he says my house will, is a house of prayer and not to be used as, I can't remember the exact wording as a den of robbers um, for, yes, and all, yeah, for all nations as well so um, what we got from that is uh, that the Jews had kind of lost the original intent of what Isaiah had prophesied about what the temple was for that they turned it into uh, a place for commerce. Um, and they were being exclusive. Mm. There was a sense that the Gentiles were being kept out. Mm. And actually, when you look in Isaiah, that, that, that's not God's heart. Mm. And there's a sense that, and Christ is bringing them back to the original intent of what the Isaiah had prophesied. Um, so my house... We, we, we thought God speaking directly through Isaiah the prophet. Mm. And we also c reflected on how seriously Christ takes worship. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not for us to just uh, make up how we you know, conduct religious services and so forth. Or, you know, it's, there's, there's a sense in which there's... So you, you know, think, so you think um, selling animals and uh, doing currency exchange is not included in New Testament worship? No, well, <laughs> yeah, so that, that's, that's the main thing that we got from, from there, really. And, yeah. and, and Christopher talked about and that, that there's something in, uh, in, in Mark which alludes to Christ's um, deity, Although he doesn't directly say, this is me, I'm God. But there's, a, there's an authority in which he's, yeah. he's speaking, which... By what authority do you do these things? And, yes. And he takes that authority, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, because the, 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 the Pharisees became so perplexed. Hmm. After, you know, and, and there's something of, I don't know, there's something of judgment there as well, isn't there? Oh, there is. Yes. In, in the end, the whole earthly tent, temple system gets obsoleted mm. uh, in, in, in favor of New Testament Christ, worship through Christ. So thank you for that. Did you, did you find it a stimulating conversation together? Very, Excellent, very good. I think it's the connection. It's, it's, it's really enthralling, isn't it, when you can see how in the old yeah. there's, it's being fulfilled in the new and you can see how the Bible isn't just disparate bits, yes. that actually these prophecies really come to life in Christ and it's, it's exciting, yeah. Yeah. Super, good. And pass on to the next group, and they could tell us. So, uh, Roger, what did yes. you, what did you do?
Well, we, we were under the letter B. Okay. So the first um, quote we looked at is uh, the one in uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 6. And um, again, Jesus is um, quoting Isaiah. And he, um, so what we learned about that is that um, Jesus uh, knew his scriptures absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that... Um, what um, Isaiah prophesied in his time was the case when was fulfilled when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees mm -hmm. in, in this situation. Mm. Um, mm. So we, we learned also that um, if, if people are following rules only and thinking that that's what worship should be, mm. then it's... Um, as, as Isaiah said, that they worship me in vain. Mm. Oh, not me, but God. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, uh, so um, it's vain because the teachings about rules taught by men. So Jesus was saying that of the people he was talking to. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And then he underlines it in ver verse 8, the next verse. Um, in Mark, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. That's, that, that principle, uh, yeah, non-conformist churches would make a lot of that idea that we shouldn't be having traditions of men, but everything should be ruled by God's word. So that, that's why uh, non-conformist churches are a little bit cautious about the church's year and all that sort of stuff because that's, in a way it's a tradition of men. Yeah, but that, that text would be worth a lot of thought because it actually tells us about sin, doesn't it? And sin, when we think... These people thought they were being very holy, but actually they, they were mistaken on quite a basic level. And uh, that... Yeah, so thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, Roger. Did we you did the next one. Sorry? We did the next one as well. I'm going to just stick to one because otherwise we won't get time for everybody to have a go. So thank you very much for that. Did you enjoy your discussion? We did. I think we, Good. we were able to build together on um, the different Excellent. bit that Isaiah brought and then how Jesus um, emphasized it. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Thank you very much. Could we pass on to the next group? did Mark 9, 43, 48 and 66, 24, um, which is about kind of, um, where is it? Oh. Their worm does not die, their, flinch, their fire will not be quenched. Yep. And it's kind of talking about eternal life and the, like, the stumbling blocks? No, not stumbling blocks. Kind of like connection between... prophecy of destruction and also the kind of heaven and eternal city and the kind of consequences of their actions okay. being the worm that does not the worm that doesn't die being the body and a soul and stuff like that not 
what, it was did, you, did you have a view on what Isaiah had in mind when he <laughs> talked about worms not dying and fire not being quenched? What, 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 did you have any idea of what he's referring to in his own context? That was just destruction. Destruction. Yeah. Eternal destruction. Destruction. What, like in a... Um, the eternal destruction of our souls, I think. Yeah, what, by execution, by being by chopped up? What, what sort of destruction does he have in mind? Yeah, well, I think it's probably the aftermath of a battle, but, but we thought the point was that yeah. the destruction goes on forever. Normally, the, the worm would eat the body and the fire would die out. Yeah. But, in, of course, in this case, it doesn't. It, it goes on forever. Yeah. So I think what um, Colin was saying was in Revelation, at the end of Revelation, there are only two places. There's the holy city, which encompasses yeah. the whole cosmos, and the, uh, the only other place is the burning pit. Yeah. So that's kind of where Isaiah is heading. Yeah, thank you very much. That's quite, um, what's the word? Solemn, isn't it? It's heaven and hell in, that, in those verses. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll come to the next group, if we may. I think really can't really add much more to what's We're on B, yeah. yeah. And a little bit of C, but not very much, I think. Yeah. Semmer felt that the, the worm that does not die. And, Sorry? Uh, Semmer felt that the worm that does not die and uh, the fire's not quenched, when it goes on afterwards to talk about, about being salted with fire and things like that, it goes on afterwards, not in Isaiah, but uh, in the Gospel. And, um, and Arsema sort of, uh, well, I thought it was interesting, uh, said, you know, that sometimes, you know, when we are salted with fire, you know, sometimes we can, this is more of a spiritual context, we can hold on to things that maybe, you know, we don't let go of, and, and that's also a kind of, a kind of, uh, worm that doesn't die, you know, a sort of a sin or, or something that is not chaffed away and so it can perpetuate and perpetuate and keep us in, in, in a horrible place because we're sort of rebelling in a way because we're not addressing it. So I thought that was quite interesting. Okay, that, so that's the sort of indwelling sin kind of thing. Yes, because we, we still have indwelling sin until we get to glory. There's, there's indwelling sin. We keep fighting it. But it is a bit like if we're sold with fire and, hmm. you know, we have this perpetual thing that we're just not letting go of or something. It, it, it can be a little bit like a fire can and ongoing, never hmm. having any release from it. Interesting thought. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Other than the first one, I think the... Um, Drawing near to God with the heart rather than the... the Sorry, say that again? Drawing near to God with the heart rather than our big mouths yes. and our lips, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Empty the, words. Yes, the, the heart, the importance of that, yep. So we did um, Mark 4, verse 12. But to those of the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven quoted from Isaiah 6, wasn't it? It's quite tricky, actually, to understand this fully. It seems to be the case that when a servant of God, in, in the Old Testament, Isaiah, in this case, Jesus preaches the word of God to people, there will be those 
for whom this is a hardening process and an indictment and a judgment and the word of God will not shed any light at all on their understanding or lack of understanding. It will actually darken them even more and harden them. It's quite sobering. It is. I think it links with the, the, the one that Roger had, that the Pharisees who had the word of God would have said, well, we're, we're very holy. We've got the whole point of this. But actually, they were as hard as hard as could be and ended up crucifying Jesus. It, it, it's the same sort of pattern, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Thank you very much. Tell us about the first one, uh, if you would, uh, Ben. Uh, well, we did the uh, first two. Um, I think the first one there's a... Uh, deals with the uh, an early reference to the coming of the Lord. Yes, the um, Lord being who? The Lord being first of all God Yes. but also indirect that the Lord and Jesus are basically the same entity. Yes. Um, there's a reference to Jesus talking in parables yes. which uh, obviously comes up frequently throughout the Bible uh, and yeah, it's just really um, a reference to the coming of the Lord. The states about the um, leveling of the hills and the mountains and the rising of the plains. So it's basically dealing with the uh, c- coming of the Lord yeah. and Jesus. Yeah, thank you. Because uh, we, we were working on that together, and you get this immense surprise that the Isaiah passage is about the coming of Yahweh, coming of the Lord, the God of Israel. And it's built up, and we have John the Baptist who says the things that Isaiah speaks about. And here comes Jesus. It's really remarkable. The text says, the Lord is coming. You'll see the glory of the Lord. And there's Jesus, which is just a remarkable, remarkable thing. I'm pretty hopeless at allocating time, aren't I? Uh, did you enjoy um, looking at those texts? It's a good exercise, isn't it? Uh, have you got patience to spend till 8 o'clock in your, in your same group, bringing that back to the Lord in prayer? It might be just very, very quick prayers. And if there's anything that anybody particularly wants to pray, pray about, say it very quickly. Pray together just for um, a few more minutes. and then we.